0: Welcome, everybody, to the Sales and Marketing Build Freedom show. I have a very special guest with me on today. I have Sam Jacobs. Sam is the founder and CEO of Pavilion, the premier community and career development platform for high-growth leaders and their teams in every function. Sam launched Pavilion as Revenue Collective in 2016 and bootstrapped the company to $10 million in annual recurring revenue before taking on a $25 million growth financing round in early 2021 led by Elephant Ventures then Go-To-Market Fund. Prior to the pavilion, Sam spent 15 years as a senior revenue leader at VC-backed companies in New York, including Gershom Learman Group, which I hope I didn't budget that, or <laughs> not budgeted, screwed it up, Axial, Livestream, Vimeo, The Muse, and Behavox. He lives in West Village of Manhattan with his wife and his three dogs, one of them, which is named Walter. So, uh, Sam, welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, dude. So, um, real excited to have you on just because of the diversity of your experience. And I I know I gave you kind of a quick overview, but can you give your your superhero origin story to everybody on just so they have a little more background about you and uh, some of the things you've done over the years? Because, like I said, you have a really great um, diversity of experience, if you will.
1: Well, sure. My origin story I was born in Sparrow Hospital in Lansing, Michigan uh, to Barry and Susan Jacobs. Um, I'm the youngest of three. I, um, I grew up overseas. My parents were in the foreign service, both of them. Uh, my mom was an ambassador to Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu and the Solomon Islands. And I, I lived in Israel, India and El Salvador. Uh, but really, uh, home base was always northern Virginia outside of D.C. So uh, I'm basically from Washington, D.C., I guess. Uh, and I went to the University of Virginia. I came out of UVA in 1999, and that was the dot com boom. So I started my career in investment banking, but then quit to start a record label. Uh, and uh, I called that Exercises in Poverty and Humility. It was an abysmal failure. I totally fucked it up. <laughs> uh, but um, maybe learned, like I said, I learned humility, certainly. And uh, then came back to New York uh, in 2003. And uh, that's when I started working at Gerson Lehrman Group. And that was uh, kind of a rocket ship. I don't think, I don't even know if they were ever a unicorn, uh, but they were close to it. Um, But it went from about 25 million in ARR when I joined to about 300 when I left. They'll do probably 650 or 700 this year. And I got a lot of really early uh, leadership experience and management experience and built a great network and then came out of there and worked at smaller, earlier stage companies. Uh, where I was in more senior positions uh, from 2010 through 2018, uh, I worked at Axial. I worked at uh, uh, Livestream, I, which was sold to Vimeo. I worked at The Muse, and I worked at Behavox. Sadly, uh, you know my my career journey um, was you know seven years at Gerson Lammer Group, seven and a half, four and a half years at Axial. Uh, 18 months at live stream, nine months at the Muse, ten months at Books. So, uh, my tenure shrank with every job. In four out of those five jobs, I was fired. I was asked to leave. I made getting fired a lucrative uh, endeavor for me, increasingly lucrative. So, it's, don't feel sorry for me, but um, but it was it was I was gr- grinding for a long time, and uh, that's why I started Revenue Collective. I started as a, a group therapy session and also just a, a community for my friends and peers so that we could help each other find jobs so that we could support each other and so that we could be better at our jobs because the way to be good at any job uh, is changing every day, given how technology is impacting every function out there. And so um, I started the community as a group in New York just to get together every quarter uh, for dinner or drinks and to talk about you know, uh, our problems and our challenges. Uh, people started hearing about it uh, from all over the world. And they started reaching out to me and saying, hey, can we start a chapter? Or I was reaching out to them. And uh, we got a group of initially, I think, five other chapter heads in uh, London, uh, Toronto, um, Boston, and uh, Amsterdam. And I'm probably forgetting somebody important. Um, and then we added Indianapolis and Atlanta. And then we were kind of off to the races. We started charging dues in on January 1st, 2018. I was still working then, but I did it basically for side income. I got fired the last time in 2018 in December and said maybe I should try focusing on this full time. And the idea was if I can get it to 2000 paying members then I could I could live, I could survive in New York. And we were at 3750 at the end of 2020 when I tried to when I wanted to have 2000 so it was a huge success. And then we just rebranded to Pavilion uh a couple of weeks ago and the reason that we did that is because the the thing that we do um i realize is really not specific to revenue and it's not and i find that the word collective is overused everybody and their mother has a thing called blank collective so not original and also defensive for me it felt too too much like a union too kind of inward looking and the mission of the company isn't really about us versus them anymore uh, it's about helping each person get where they want to go in their life through their work and so um, Pavilion is just a bigger, more open, more inspiring name, and it's also much more original. And um, so that's why we changed it. And we, like I said in the bio, we were bootstrapped for uh, you know a long time. We were profitable, and I wasn't planning on raising money. And uh, uh, these guys from Elephant Ventures emailed me in February, and uh, we started talking about the company, and uh, and they offered me twenty five million dollars, and, and I took it and uh, here we are today.
0: It's great. So I've known you for, what, a year now?
1: Roughly? Yeah, year a yeah, a year
0: and a half. Not even a year. I don't know. And uh, I did not know a lot of that stuff about you, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's one of the things that I love about having on the show. I didn't know you were like International Sam as a, as a youth running around. I didn't know you had that going on. And then on top of that, I know you got fired four out of five times, yeah. which I, I got fired a couple of times in my career. And to follow it, we're like, it, it sucked. It was a shit sandwich at the time, but then you bounce back and it was like some of the, the most amazing things that happened to me. So why don't you talk through that, man? I'd love to hear that um, in terms of like, you said you made it profitable, which which is kind of cool and curious in nature, but how did you walk me through what happened with the four out of five firings and, and how you made it profitable? Just just walk me through that. I would love to hear more about that.
1: Sure. Well, um, like you said, uh, Ryan, uh, it sucked. I mean, that's the first thing just to put like, it sucks. It sucks. And it sucks for a lot of different reasons. And it sucks because it's a rejection and it sucks because no matter how much money they pay you uh, for severance or whatever, it's just, it's a, it's a rejection. It hurts your pride. It's embarrassing. Uh, And, you know, if you're married or you got a partner, um, you know you want to be their hero you know you want to bring home the bacon it, no matter what your gender is this isn't about men versus women this is just about you want to inspire your partner you want to live up to their high esteem of you and coming home and telling my wife you know saying like i think i'm going to get fired today or i was just fired is you know imagine what she went through uh you know thinking like is this <laughs> you know did i pick the right guy so um so yeah it's i don't I'm grateful for all of those experiences now, very, very grateful uh, because it led me here. But in the moment, they were not good experiences. The first one, Gerson Lammer Group, I'd been there seven and a half years. You know, and I can, I mean, some of it is uh, impacted by what my mindset was at the time, but I was not a happy person despite making a lot of money at Gerson Lammer Group. And when my uh, mentor and boss left the company, I got a new boss. And, uh, he had been resentful of me, uh, and my career at GLG and, uh, pushed me out of the company. Uh, and so I was, you know, asked to leave after my jobs were being marginalized and marginalized. You know, I was running all of research, which is like all of member success, all of client service. And then, and then I was running surveys and then I was just, you know, asked to leave. Um,
0: so I believe we were set to, to bring him back. We had a, a... A minor commercial interruption there. <laughs> um, so, so, so to go back, you you were talking about leaving GLG, and I believe that's where we left off. So, can yeah, you come there.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so pushed out of GLG, I joined a company, um, and that was like a really disruptive time in life because there's, you know, one of my observations is that like our lives do track to the global economy. <laughs> So that was 2008, 2009. That was the financial crisis, and GLG had been hit hit very hard. And at the same time, that's when I went through a divorce. And so I went from making, you know, 600 grand, 500 grand a year to making 100 grand a year uh, at the same time that my now ex wife took, you know, all my money and the lawyers took what was left of that. So um, that was, you know, radical transformation. That was caterpillar stuff to later butterfly, you know, but I had to like completely redo my life. And I went to work at Axial, which was very early stage. I call it post-revenue. And we got it to about, over four and a half years, we got it to about, I don't know, $8 million, uh in ARR. But I had been frustrated with the CEO. He's probably frustrated with me. I tried to get him fired by going around him and talking to the board. Um, nothing happened right away. I got a promotion out of it, actually. But then later, he found out about it, and he fired me. And he should have. You know, I mean, if... <laughs> As uh, Omar would say from the wire, if you come at the king, you best not miss. So, so I missed. So um, I was fired from there. Then I went to live stream. That was, you know, a, a challenging situation. Um, it was like a product-led kind of self-serve business trying to introduce an enterprise sales motion. It, it uh, you know, sort of worked. I would, I wouldn't say that it really truly worked. So then I left there to join the Muse as CRO. I got there in, you know, February. February, March, and um, and then was asked to leave in October. That was because I wasn't a good culture fet. I was too hard for a more lax, kind of lenient organization. So then I went the opposite end. I went to this total hard ass organization, Behavox, and then I was asked to leave because I was too lax and lenient. So <laughs> you know, so you know, I mean, the point is, I guess, like at the at the executive level, getting fired is not. Crazy. It's not as crazy as it is like to be fired as an account executive. You know, you're fired as individual contributors because you didn't hit your number. If you're fired as an as a, as a C-suite executive, it's largely probably because your 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 vision does not align with what the CEO wants to do. And ultimately, you know, one of the things you got to learn is that this the company belongs to the CEO. You know, it's like you you are in service of their vision. And so, if you are unable to do that, then then you probably should leave.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously I have a tremendous amount of respect for you and in, in what you're doing. So I've been, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been down that road when I was a VP, I got fired at for nine and a half years and it was, it was just like no notice anything. I'm just like in the middle of COVID and they're like, Hey, you're going to have to stop working on your brand and other things. And um, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And then brought in a big deal. And the next day they're like, hey, you can't work here anymore, you know, and this is after the CEO took zero pay. They furloughed like 75% of the people. So there's other situations. But but yeah, man, I feel you. It just, it sucks at the time. So thank you for sharing that because there's a lot of people listening right now that have been through that or might even be going through that right now that I'm sure that's inspiring to hear. You kind of take the next jump, start as a therapy session uh, with, <laughs> with your your current organization and then bootstrap that to 10 million. So so let's talk about that, man. Like you, It sounded like you were just starting off just talk and other folks that were kind of struggling and, and helping with, with that. So can you, you walk through that? And I, you know, I remember hearing what you're talking about in the early days when Pavilion was called revenue collective. So can you just shed a little bit of light on that and why, why, you know, companies are created out of problems and what was the, the big problem that you've seen and the big problem you see now?
1: Well, the, so, yeah, I mean, the, the... I, um, people are like, what's the epiphany? What's the light bulb moment? And there wasn't one, there isn't one, you know, all I've been doing since I started doing this thing in 2016. And really I started before then. I just gave it a name in 2016. All I've been doing is looking for ways to help what were initially just my friends. And now it's like the broader community, but, and I, um, people like roll their eyes maybe when they hear that. I don't know if they do, but I'm being, I'm being honest. Um, we got. We sent out an email when we rebranded, and a guy wrote back and said, "Clever," you know. And I was like, "Dude, it's not about being cle- like it's not a job. It's not a scheme. This isn't some scheme, you know. Like I'm not. I'm. I mean what I say. As hard as that is to believe in this modern world, but anyway. Uh, so I was just doing that. You know, I was helping people find jobs. I was connecting them to recruiters. I was, you know, just networking. I don't even. I'm not extroverted, which is funny like for people to understand or learn. I'm I'm pretty introverted, but I do like helping people a lot. I I love that feeling. I love the feeling of like you know, we I just did a workshop for our rising executives program and we figured out that like 5 of the people that joined our January class have already been promoted to VP. Like I love that, That's you know? Awesome. Yeah. yeah, like <laughs> I love I love hearing about people that work hard that want to be better and that do things the right way succeeding. So, anyway, I was doing that and then I got fired from the muse and I was, that was like the bottom, you know, not the, it wasn't the, it was the turning point in my life. There've been two turning points or there've been many turning points. That was one of the turning points. Cause that was the point at which it was October. It was Friday, the 13th, October, 2017. And I, um I just decided like I'm done being completely reliant on other people. Uh, Cause I just, I can't do it. You know, it's not working. So So, I decided to start charging dues for Revenue Collective. And I started, uh, and I said, maybe I can get a sponsorship. So, I called Kevin O'Malley at Sales Loft and I was like, would you give me $10,000 to put these dinners together for you in New York once a quarter? And he's like, it really was pretty quick, absolutely. And then I started charging fifty bucks a month on January first, twenty eighteen. And I went out to everybody and I said, "Hey, we're going to start charging dues." And I wasn't sure what would happen. And you know, Adam Liebman, uh, who's uh, you know a, a great friend, but famously was like, "This is never going to work. Why would I pay to be friends with you? I can do this on my own." But actually, most people. So it was like there's twenty one people and nineteen of them paid. And that that was again, but like there was no. And then I just kept doing the next thing, and I kept doing the next thing. So then people wanted more people wanted to join. So then we brought them in. So then I started uh, in October of 2018. I hired um, somebody. I hired Anne Jusim, who's our VP of operations. Really, one thing led to the other, and I never had any big ambition because I assume that there is no. And I think it's really there's something interesting happening actually right now that we can talk about, mm-hmm. which is. But I then then. Um, if you're non-technical, right? I'm always like the guy like never work for a non-technical founder. Never work for the guy that went to, you know, HBS, you know, <laughs> cuz that's where, you know, like that just went to like Tuck, you know, Dartmouth and be like and just feels like they're an important person cuz, you know, they grew up rich and like they should be in charge and so they need to start a company. Like that person's always a douchebag, like find the engineer, you know, <laughs> find the technical person that can build a product. Right. Because finding engineers is the hardest part about building a company these days, and engineers want to work for other smart engineers. So you need to find a great engineer to be the founder. So you need a product driven founder. That was the whole thing. So I was like, I'm not a product driven founder. You know, I don't get to be a CEO. But maybe, 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 you know, maybe I can make a little bit of money. Then I started when I got fired from Behavox. It's like maybe I can make a living, and I never thought. I just never gave myself the right to believe that this thing could be big because it's like, it's a sales meetup. Like there already was enterprise sales meetup. There already was MSP. Like, why would this, this is the easiest thing in the world to start at that stage. You know, like anybody could have started it. And so I, I just never let myself dream. I was like, well, obviously there's a sales executive club in every city in the country, in the world. Like actually there isn't. I'm like, well, that's ridiculous, stupid, but okay, I'll do it then. And then, um, and uh, yeah. And then, so anyway, I mean, you know, COVID was an inflection point because we moved to all digital. There's a bunch of networking businesses that totally failed to adapt and went out of business, and we did we did not. We adapted very quickly. And so we actually grew 5x during COVID. Um and then with the financing, that was like the, the first time I've truly let myself believe that this thing might be truly huge has been, you know, over the past couple of months. And that's because I feel like this thing that we're doing actually is kind of special, and there's still not there's still not a product executive club in every city, and there's still not a finance executive club in every city. And if they are, they they're organized wrong, you know, because they're they're free, which means that like you're just sponsor driven and crappy, and um, a paid membership model is just a better, more elegant way to do it because it forces people to commit, and they can be your customer, so I can serve them because I don't work for. I work a little bit for Sixth Sense and Outreach, but like mainly I work for you, Ryan, as a member of Pavilion. And I also just I just think we've got something special in terms of how we do it. And I think that the the, the world, the vision that we have is pretty interesting. And I can talk about that. But the, the point that I'm saying about what's what's the business part of it that's interesting is that I'm wondering aloud to myself, you know, whether or not maybe, you know, I don't know how to fix a TV and neither do you. Right, And fixing a TV is no longer required like to build a TV show or knowing how the iPhone works. And so my point is that I wonder if we're approaching a point where engineering resources are more a commodity than they have been. Because we built a $100 million valuation business. That's what Pavilion is nominally worth um, using other people's tools. So I'm just openly wondering, like, you know, a, Francis Ford well Steven Spielberg does know how to, the mechanics of cameras work but like generally speaking creative people don't know how the guts of all of the the tools that they use work and yet they're still able to be creative and we've moved past the point where like you need to know how to fix the car in order to be able to design a beautiful I don't know my point is I'm wondering if maybe we're moving to a world where engineering talent is not quite as a, the prerequisite that it used to be to building a valuable company at least in our case it's not but um
0: what is happening i really appreciate you checking out the podcast today had something super exciting that i wanted to share with you that i've only only shared with my private clients And it is called the Referrals for Revenue Challenge. Now, I previously have only shared these concepts privately with clients that pay me $10,000, $20,000 a month and more. And now I'm bringing this to you because this program is amazing at helping companies scale their company, scale their revenue, and scale their results. And so I want to share it with you. Check out the link below. It's live and there's live coaching involved. Other CEOs, entrepreneurs, revenue leaders, revenue generators. It's www.referralsforrevenuechallenge.com for revenue forward slash go. www.referralsforrevenuechallenge.com referrals FOR revenue forward slash go. www.referralsforrevenuechallenge.com referrals for revenue forward slash go. It's also in the show notes. Hope you see there, hope to see you there live. It is July twenty-sixth to July 30th. And really excited to share this program with the world. So I hope to see you there. Enjoy the rest of the show. I'm right there with you, man, because like there's a, a massive democratization of software, right? I mean, at first it was you had to buy $500,000 upfront, then it was SaaS, and now we're going into no code. And the cost to develop SaaS has gone way down with resources in Costa Rica or Bulgaria or other foreign markets to develop. Um, I think you're onto something. And it is it's pretty cool to hear you say that you you built a hundred million dollar valuation for a business on other, other people's tools, just providing value and trying to help others. So I that's yeah. really that's really cool, man. And it's funny because like, you know, I remember way back when when you know pavilion was revenue collective and I remember seeing stuff about it. And you know, before I, I joined and became a chapter head. Um and I, I didn't I didn't realize that that was something. It sounds like just from you telling me right now, it wasn't some. It sounds like something you didn't have premeditated out. It was just kind of like you kept doing the next step, the next step, and building, 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 and then before you know it, you got a, a massive membership community of of people. Um, is that accurate? Would you say that's accurate? You just kept that's ex-
1: that's exactly right. I mean, my you know, and I talk about this a lot. Like that's why I, I never. I used to think that some of the things I'm saying now. Like when I heard other people say them, I was like, that is just such horse shit. <laughs> and now I believe them. So so here's what I'm talking about. Our values. I, I believe that like the act of codifying our values, writing down like what I believe, and not just externally, but internally, like for the company that is revenue collective, has been so powerful. This guy, Manny Atebbi, who's a CMO in New York at our holiday party that Manny Medina went to uh, from outreach and it was 2018. So, you know, we were 90 people and he's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to, what are you going to do when it's like a thousand people? That seemed like so far away. That seemed impossible. And I said, like, how are you going to, what are you, how are you going to make it useful? And I was like, well, I'm just going to like, I think what I'm going to do is is like stay close to the reasons that I started in the first place, and keep checking in with those values, and try to be as helpful and useful to the membership as possible. I think I'm probably going to do that the whole fucking time, and that's um, that's gen- that's true. So like one of our the, one of the things I say about B2B software is like you know there's a lot of people that think that you have to be a genius. And especially in B2B, you don't really need to be a genius. You just need to listen to your customers. They will tell you what they want. Now, sometimes they'll tell you, they'll express it wrong. But generally speaking, people will tell you what they want. And if you just keep your mouth shut and not be a fucking loudmouth all the time, then you can listen to them and then you can do it. So one of our values is listen closely, act quickly. And that's what I've done for five years. Like I I didn't plan covid I, I didn't plan to move to like,
0: I hope you didn't fire that up in a lab somewhere. Otherwise I
1: used to work in Wuhan. You didn't know I, that, you but
0: you might have some feds <laughs> running in your door. For you <laughs> okay. So anyways,
1: but um, no, but like, but you know, when COVID hit, like we were going to do an, a San Francisco offsite. It was going to be in person. I paid the catering, the catering woman never gave me my money back. But um, the point is like, there was no playbook. All I just thought was like, what do people need? Like, that's all I think about. I was on a run in, during COVID, um, it was really great running actually uh, during COVID because New York City emptied out and I, was, I stayed in the city the whole time and the streets were empty. It was amazing. But, um, and I was thinking, there's all these people that are going to be fired. And we're, you know, we were sharing like 50 jobs a week at that time in our executive jobs channels. And I was like, we don't have enough jobs. to. <laughs> I can't find all of these people work. But we need to create something for them so that to help them, because I have been fired, as I just said. So I was on my run. I'm like, you know what? We'll create a community um, and we'll make it like if you have a job, you can't join. We'll make it like reverse exclusivity, like you have to be out of work. And we'll give it a cool name so that people feel almost a badge of honor about being part of this thing. And even if we can't find everybody jobs, it'll be group therapy. Like people can meet every week and So that's called On the Bench. And that was like a huge leap. There are 200 people in our On the Bench program. And all of that, that didn't come from some plan that I wrote in 2016. That came from me obsessing about the members, you know, obsessing about you, my customer, and just thinking, like, what else do you need? What else do you need? What can be, how can I make this more valuable? How can I make this more useful? So you're right, Ryan, that there was no master. I just try to do the next right thing.
0: That's great, man. I love that. And I'm sure that, I mean, you know it, that program has been highly impactful for people. So let me ask you this, like shifting gears and, and let's talk, because a lot of CEOs are going to be listening to this show. So what would you say are, you know, your your ninja skill as a CEO now, um, now that you've gone through this, you are you come from obviously the revenue background uh, through an expansive amount of years, and then now as a CEO over the last almost five years, right, four Three to five. Well, depending on when you you have the start date, what what would you give your advice after going through that and bootstrapping from zero to hundred million valuation to someone who's a little bit earlier in the journey than you?
1: Well, uh, I think um, you know, there's three jobs of the CEO. They say, right? Uh, never run out of money. Recruit a team. You know, build the team and set the direction. Set the vision. I, I think I'm pretty good at setting the vision. I think I'm pretty good at like looking into the future and then trying to like paint a picture for people of what it might look like. I think that um, this is going to sound funny and like I'm being self-deprecating and I'm not. Uh, I'm lazy. I'm a little lazy. And lazy is good because it means that I delegate. And one of the biggest problems people have is that they don't delegate effectively. And I am not a details person. I am a details person when I'm forced to be a details Mm -hmm. person. But most of the time. I'm happy to delegate. I'm absolutely happy to do it, and um, that on, you know, sometimes that means that the people that work for me have a tougher, more grueling life than I do. But I think that that is that enables scale because if you set clear direction and you set clear values and you just say you go do it, then you can grow. If you are always have to be in control of everything, um, it's just going to be much more difficult for you to grow. So I think that like, and again, some part of that, and I'm not just joking. I'm like, I wrote about it on LinkedIn years ago and the CTO of Behavex got all pissed off at me, but it's because he doesn't understand. And that's that laziness is it can be very useful in an executive because it can force you to delegate. I think that, and then I think I'm, you know, reasonably good at... Um, sales and marketing, whatever that means, you know, the, the magic sauce of like conveying a message, getting people want to, you know, I'm clever in that way. I think the things I'm not good at are, you know, I'm not a COO. I'm not like high attention to detail, you mm-hmm. know, I am, a, and I'm not a great, I don't think I am a great manager. I don't think I'm a great manager. I think okay. that I'm a, somebody that I say, go figure it out and that that's useful to create self-reliance and independence, but it can be difficult too because sometimes you need somebody to be like, hey, let me get my hands dirty and let's figure this out together. And most of the time I'm like, you go figure it out. <laughs>
0: well, and you know, delegation is is really, really important. So uh, do you have a framework that you follow when you're doing that?
1: I don't know. I should have one. I don't think so. I say, <laughs> 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 whose department does it fall into? Okay, operations and you do it. <laughs>
0: Who? How? Okay. Yeah. So so let's let's go to the sales and marketing side then. I guess like what 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 do you what would you say are the top one to three levers you pulled to to get the growth you did from a bootstrap perspective for um, the artist formerly known as the Revenue Collective?
1: Well, I mean, we were the first. I don't see it, uh, we were the first people to make it like explicit. Hey, put this on your LinkedIn profile. So that was yeah. that was a little growth hack. Yeah. Where, you know, and we track it. So uh, at when we first started doing it, 50% of the community put it on their LinkedIn profile. And now 82% puts it on their LinkedIn profile. And so that's for us, that's like brand affinity. Like, are people proud to associate themselves with us? That's one. Second thing that uh, I think we did is, um, frankly, uh, to the point of you being the Chicago chapter head, Ryan, is that like, you know, there's a multi layer market, multi level marketing component to this, which is that. I shared the money you know with a lot of people mm-hmm. i think that um that's actually funny interestingly controversial right like m- many many communities expect everybody to do everything on a volunteer basis and i mean we've been pretty generous you know uh with people in terms of how much money from the dues we share with them now we we get less generous over time uh, because we feel like we're doing more of the work and the chapter guys are doing on the margin less, but the beginning, you know, Rich Gardner in Boston and Tom Glasson in London and Andre Brussel and Butch Langlois in Toronto, like they put their, they tied their brands to ours and because they personally benefited from it, not just nominally, but from a specific financial incentive. So I thought that, I think that's interesting. And in general, you know, one of the KPIs I'll probably introduce next year for the company is like how many different people we can pay. Because I want to cut lots and lots of checks to lots and lots of members. I want to be. I want Pavilion to be a place where you can make money, where you do make money. So um, uh, that's the second thing. What's the third thing? I mean, the third thing is just like, I would say that I, I think that um, I do lots of stuff that's unscalable. And that um, because it actually is scalable. I think people are too obsessed with like, quote unquote, scale on the margin. Mm-hmm. I do half of my day is calls with members, coaching calls like, Hey, I've got this job. I'm worried about this. Or we do all of, we do all kinds of things to try and convey to people that we've truly value them as customers. And, um, I, then that's the, like the third, the people I, I can man. talk to truly feel like I care. It's I we don't get to talk to everybody and, we need to get better at data. We need to get better at figuring out like who are the people that are checked out and how do we reach out to them and engage them. But the people that I do get to, I think they believe me, which is good because I mean what I say.
0: That's great, man. So I, I like the I like that, and it, that was totally not the answers I expected from you. So, <laughs> um, which is good, which is good, man. So you got basically the brand affinity, you know, with the the little growth hack with the logo on LinkedIn. That's number one. Number two is kind of the affiliate model, if you will, so that. Um, you're not asking people to do everything for free and, and they have they have skin in the game, right? And then um, you know the third one is doing unscalable things to show your customer your care that lead to scale, right? So I love that, man. I think that's a, a great three step framework. I'm gonna hold you accountable for giving me the delegation <laughs> framework um, because that is something that I'm working on getting better at. So if I'm humping your leg about it, you know why um, in the future. <laughs> Um. So, uh, all right, man. Well, how can in uh, we're we're close to to time here. So, I had a couple couple more questions for you. And the first one is venture capital, right? Or two of it. Why is venture capital good, and why is venture capital bad? Can you just give me a quick snapshot on your view on that? Because you've been on both sides of the fence.
1: Venture capital is good if you have strong product market fit, strong go to market fit, and the limiting factor in your growth is um is just Uh, money. Like you just, you got something people truly love. Lots of people, not just early adopters, lots of people truly love. And now you just need to get into as many hands as possible and you need to cement the moat, the competitive advantage that you have. Then it can be very, very powerful. It's rocket fuel, right? You can hire a hundred people when before you couldn't, you can only hire two. So that's great. Uh, And then if you, it's bad, if you think, if you think that you have that and you don't, uh, it's bad if you miss if if you misdefine what you perceive to be your exceptionalism, and as a consequence of that, you take on a lot of money and a lot of obligation and an expectation around growth that you're not ready to deliver on. That it can be a bad thing. That's a great
0: pr- perspective, man. Um, And then wh- from your experience, like how long does it take? I mean, I, it sounds like what what happened recently with you, but um, with Pavilion, that it went pretty quick. On average, how long do you do you see it taking for companies to acquire VC when they're they're trying to get their seed round or Series A?
1: Oh, I don't know. Jason Lumpkin would say eighteen months, two years to like toil in the muck before you (laughs) are in a position to raise some money. You know, we I've been doing this full time for two and a half years, and uh, that's that's when that's when investors kept came calling. Okay, cool,
0: man. Well. Congrats on that! And then, um, is there anything else you want to share about your vision? And then, I want to end up with you know where people could find you, find out more about Pavilion, and then kind of take it from there.
1: Sure. the The thing I would share about my vision is that I envision. I mean, here, here's what we're working on. Here's the point, you know. And I, and I don't know that I'm not trying to disrupt the MBA. I don't give a shit about that. I'm not trying to reimagine the profession of sales. I don't give a shit about that. Here's what I give a shit about. I give a shit about a different way of doing business and teaching people that uh, you can split the difference, that you can leave money on the table, that it's okay to do something for somebody and not ask for anything in return. And sometimes it's okay if you encounter a few takers that take advantage of your generosity, but that there's a different way to live that is not just about altruism. It's about, and the different way to live is helping before asking for help, looking to offer advice. Not treating relationships transactionally, not giving advice and not saying, I need to be an advisor to give you any more advice or, or charging somebody every time you help them, uh, not spamming them, not being like, hey, buy this thing, hey, buy this thing, hey, buy this thing, uh, being responsive and being open minded. Um, that's a post that, that those tenets, that code of conduct that we try to indoctrinate in, in our members, um, that'll make you happier a happier person that'll make you a better person. But beyond that, it you you can get rich that way. You can, you can make a lot of money that way by approaching life from the perspective of somebody who has, who's willing to share, as opposed to uh, approaching life from somebody who doesn't have, who needs to hoard. That if you are generous and share and help and support, that over time, that will come back to you. And that'll come back to you in the form of all the things that you want to achieve in your life, including money. So um, that's my vision. My vision is how many people are willing to come along with me and the other 5,000 members on that journey? How many people want to live in that world? Live in that world where we're all members. We've got a, you know our calling card or our secret handshake or our fist bump or whatever. And so you know that, yes, there's takers out there. They didn't join Pavilion because they were cheap and they wanted it for free and they weren't willing to invest. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be Thousands today, thousands tomorrow, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds, maybe millions of people that want to live in a different world that just need, they just need to believe that it's possible. They need to believe that they're not being a sucker by, by living in that world. And that is the world I want to create for people. So that, um, you know, in Chicago, where you are, Ryan, you know, maybe it's 10,000 people that all have that secret handshake when you, when you see them in the office, when you see them across the table in a negotiation doesn't mean they're going to be saints. It just means that it's like an alumni association. If you all went to the same school, it just Mm -hmm. means that they're not going to dick you over, you know, they're going to do their best. They're going to do their best. Um, that's the world I'm trying to create. That's the vision. So if people are inspired that are listening, you know, we've got a community now for people that are new to the workforce. We call it our analyst community. It's officially launching September 1st. We've got a, so, so we got, a community for every stage of your career and, you know, come join us, come be part of this world.
0: Love that, man. I love the, I love the vision too. Uh, I'm a strong believer of, of helping. And that's, that's part of my vision too, is to, to help people grow their businesses by giving first. And so, you know, I I think that tightly aligns with kind of what you're talking about as well. Um, And not feeling, you don't have to be a sucker and you're not always going to get Reciprocity, but that's okay, you know, because it, it pays out in the end and it's karma, you know. So,
1: karma is um, real, it really is real.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge believer in that now. Um, so, anyways, man, well, it was awesome having you on. And where can people find you? What's the best way to, to get in touch with you or Pavilion?
1: Uh, best way is go to joinpavilion.com. You can email me, Sam at joinpavilion.com. If you're a member, you can Slack me and I'm available.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on, Sam. It was a pleasure hearing the uh, origin story to present. And uh, like I said, I learned a lot of new things about you and it was a fun journey.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources. So I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.